your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 277 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And for only the second time in a week, it's a Senators game day hosting the Calgary Flames. Yes, Groundhog Day once again against these Flames. But when you're coming off a nice 2-1 victory with Philly Franchise earning his first win, why not get right back? In action, DJ Smith just spoke. We'll tell you who's starting likely tonight. And one other roster note because of injury. We also have our NCAA tournament preview. The Nodak Sens begin their tournament on Friday night. And we got some great insight into American International, their opponent. It's not going to be easy, but Nodak should be the favorite. Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald, a must-follow on Twitter. He is all over the college hockey scene, and he's been covering Nodak for over 15 years. So great conversation with him. Stay tuned for that, for not only tournament talk, but also how are Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin, JBD, and Shane Pinto all developing, including a health update on the Sen stud junior defenseman. We get into all that and some notes from around the league, including the first time COVID has affected the North Division. And yes, your Senators will have one game postponed next week. All the details. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, March 24th in Pilsy. Life comes at you fast in the National Hockey League, but as is the case with Formanton's game, it's twice as fast. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to get his chance up in the NHL this soon. But unfortunately, the injury struggles for the Ottawa Senators continue. And Ross, it's our guy, Austin Watson, who, of course, gets injured blocking shots. That's what he does best. But that is tough to see him with the cast. And it looks like he's going to be out for four to six weeks, which is why Alex Formanton is going to get a chance to make his NHL season debut. It was just yesterday's show. We spoke about how Vitaly Abramov was called out. I want to ask you why Formanton over Abramov when he's already been called up to the taxi squad, but we have to touch on Austin Watson, just a heart and soul guy. Everyday sends who does a great job on his Twitter and Instagram feeds. He, he noticed in the photo with Gustafson in the, the goalie hug line that he was wincing and grabbing his wrist. Was it in that final minute the injury occurred or was he just battling through as you'd expect a guy like Watson to do? Honestly, who knows? Like it could have happened in that final minute, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we found out it happened earlier in the game and he was playing hurt. That's the kind of guy Austin Watson is now. I don't know, not to not to praise playing hurt all the time, because sometimes you got to be smart. And maybe the fact that he did play hurt is a reason why he's out long term. Who knows? Right. I'm just speculating. But a guy like Austin Watson, he's got a lot of pride. He wants to get in there. We were talking about it when he blocked a shot with his throat. He went to the dressing room for, I don't know, 45 seconds, then came out later to finish off the penalty kill that the team was working on. So it's tough when you see a heart and soul guy like that, that really drags the rest of the team into the battle and leads by example, go out. But man, am I excited to see what Alex Formanton brings to the table. What does he bring to the table? 
speed. Like this guy is so damn fast. And he's, we talked about it. Uh, you asked why Formanton over Abramov. Well, because Alex Formanton can replace the minutes that Austin Watson has in the penalty kill much better than Abramov. And I think Alex Formanton can still be effective in a lesser role. Whereas if you give Abramov bottom six minutes, I don't think he's going to be effective at all. And how about that fourth line now, Ross? Like most of the time, fourth lines are grinders and uh, physical players. Well, we're looking at Ryan Dezingle, Clark Bishop, and Alex Formington. That line is strictly fast. Yeah. Do, do you think they have enough skill to match their speed? Because we see a lot of times players, yeah, they can come up and, and be the roadrunner out there. But do you think that those guys can be productive at both ends of the ice? Absolutely. Those guys have been productive with without Formanton there right like let's let's be honest Alex Formanton is a massive upgrade offensively over Austin Watson so the fact that they're Slander. able to <laughs> well I mean let's be real here the fact that Dezingle and Bishop have been able to do really well like most of the time Dezingle and Bishop are right together on the rush and then Dezingle's been bearing it so I think we could see this fourth line I don't think we're going to see them play under 10 minutes, the three, any three of them. I think we're going to get a good look at them. And I can't wait to see Alex Formanton get a breakaway on the PK and bury it too. Oh my God. Calling it right now, a goal for Alex Formanton. He's already got one in his National Hockey League career. It came in Arizona and I'm still not sure he touched the puck. The video was circulating the other day. Bobby Ryan celebrated like it was his goal. And frankly, I think it was as well, but he's credited for it. So he does have... One goal to his name. However, he hasn't played in the National Hockey League since that 2018-19 season. Spent the entirety of last year in Belleville where he scored 27 goals in 61 games. Set a rookie record as well with 65 penalty minutes. And that continued into this year. So far, he's got four goals in 12 games and 22 penalty minutes for Formanton. How much does he have to worry about staying disciplined at the NHL level? Well, I think we're going to see a little different mindset from Formington at the NHL level. He's not, he doesn't have the leash that he has down in Belleville, let's be honest. And he's not going to have the amount of ice time he's used to. But Ross, I'm confident we're going to see a good game from Alex Formington here too. This is a little bit of a revenge game, right? Uh, the Flames traded a second round pick to pick up Curtis Lazar. And of course, that second round pick turned into Alex Formington. Thank you very much. And now he's going to show them, hey, maybe you would have liked to keep that pick and drafted me because I would do a lot of good things for your stale Flames lineup. Oh, and that stale Flames lineup has led you to a change of mind. We're going to save your hot take for the end of the show. We also have lots to get into. I mentioned the COVID postponements now affecting the Canadian division, two Montreal players are in protocol and they've had their next three games postponed, including one against Ottawa. We'll let you know what that is later. I mentioned Brad Sloshman joins us. That guy is just a treat to chat with. And he may have said the K train is going to see power play time next year at North Dakota. Lots of cool insight though, but let's get to the roster moves. The daily shuffle, as we say in Ottawa, the senators have recalled Alex Formanton and Clark Bishop from the taxi squad. That was just a money move while they didn't play, at least on Bishop's part. Formanton will make his season debut tonight. Ole Alsing and Jack Kopaka, who now has a rival for best name in the organization with Angus Crookshank in the fold, but they've been assigned to the taxi squad. Also, Kevin Mandelaze is going back to Belleville. At least somebody's going to be in Belleville. The Marlies and B-Sens face off tonight. And man, Belleville's shorthanded, eh, Pilsy? Nine forwards and seven defensemen. 
why is Belleville always put in this scenario? Like they never <laughs> have a full roster. And when they do, it just cripples apart. Like the Belleville management staff has to have like a group of hockey players ready to go. No matter what level of hockey they are, they just got to be ready because the scramble to find guys for this team is, is ridiculous, but at least they still have the reinforcements of Eric Brandstrom and Matthew Pekka down there. So that's a big boost, but I would have loved to see, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to happen with injuries, but Anton Forsberg looked amazing down there. I would have loved to see him get a couple more games just to try to boost team morale a little bit there, but not to put down Kevin Mandelise because he's been playing well in the AHL too, and I want to see him get as much ice time as possible. Yeah, he's coming off his first pro win, so why not throw him back in the crease? Why not have Sean Donovan and Jesse Winchester strap on the gear once again? Tough times call for drastic measures, so... I'm sure that uh, Troy Mann would like to see a bit more of a, a full bench down there, but it's just more opportunity for the guys who are in the lineup. So Belleville playing the Marlies tonight. We'll have a full breakdown of that on tomorrow's show. But note the start time for the Senators game tonight. 5 p.m. start against the Calgary Flames, Ottawa, with four wins in six games this season with the head-to-head Kachuk matchup. Although both Kachuks have been fairly quiet comparatively to what we're expected to see from them could that change tonight because Brady is coming off the first time this season where he's had less than two shots on goal I want to say yeah it will change but I don't think so I don't see Daryl Sutter mixing things up I don't see DJ Smith if it ain't broke don't fix it you got a 2-1 win I see him probably putting Brady Kachuk back with Connor Brown and Chris Tierney so that's going to limit him offensively I think we're going to see a fairly calm game here unless the antics from Puckgate uh, really have carried on because the Kachucks were in the middle of that. Brady Kachuk trying to get the puck. Then when it finally gets dropped, Matthew fires it at the end of the ice. So maybe there's a little bit of bad blood there, but uh, I think it's going to be another calmer game for the Kachucks, m- much more than it was in previous seasons. Our friend of the show, Haley Salvian, tweeted out, Rasmus Anderson says the puck incident with Philip Gustafson was not intentional. I was just in the heat of the moment, quote. I picked up the puck. As soon as I realized it was his first NHL win, I chucked the puck back. It was his first NHL win, and obviously you should get the puck. Where's your BS meter on that quote? Bullshit. That is such garbage. Like, come on. Name one other time after a loss that you just you're just like, oh, I'm so pissed. I'm going to go pick that puck up and bring it in the dressing room. And then we're going to hold this puck up and be like, this is a loss we can never forget. And we're going to put it on our dressing room and frame it. And that's going to lead us to the Stanley Cup. Like, what is it? What is he trying to talk about? Like, why not just be like, yeah, I was pissed off and I was trying to spark some emotion. Like, well, at that point, why not be brutally honest? Because then it looks it looks better on you than us calling bullshit on you. Like, come on, Rasmus. So I'm going to my lookout player is going to be Rasmus Anderson. Yep. I just want to see if he's a little uh twinkle toes or if he's looking over his shoulder a little bit more going back to retrieve pucks behind his own net that sort of thing i'm not sure he will by any stretch but uh that's my lookout player and for my locked on guy why not alex formanton you gotta have your head on a swivel when you're watching him go back and forth up the ice and like we already touched on with the speed element that fourth line brings think about the start of the year anisimov and paquette you are replacing them and upping their speed. It's like if you're playing Chell, the speed's at 72. You crank it up to 95. You're going to notice a difference on the ice. And that's, I think, the same kind of mentality this fourth line's going to have. Dezingle, of course, with five goals in nine games. He's making his double-digit leap tonight. 
And who knows? It might be one of his final games if they decide to go a different direction at the trade deadline, which is only three weeks away. It's really sneaking up quick when you factor in the quarantine in terms of people coming to Canada. That could have an impact, but I'm locked on Alex Foreman tonight. What about you, Pills? Yeah, that's a great pick. I, I can't wait to see how he does. Uh, and that's the thing, like his speed, it translates to the NHL as well. You know, like that's not something where you're like, oh, he can he can get by in the AHL with that speed, but in the NHL won't work. No, nah, he can still, he's still got wheels and he can get by anyone. So I'm going to be watching for him for sure. Another guy I'm going to be watching for is Tim Stutzla. That line of him, Norris and Batherson were buzzing the other night he had a couple of good chances again I still wish he passed it over to Norris but I'll give him a, I'll cut him some slack there but I think he's going to have another big night and that line's going to continue to be buzzing and they're going to be the ones creating offensive chances once again puns to get excited about the wheels on the fourth line are fully pumped up but had there been a hole you go to rockauto.com and they will find exactly what you need to get back on the road rockauto.com is a family business that serves auto parts, and they were ahead of their time. They've been serving it to customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily drive, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. That'll help if your engine doesn't work. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate quickly. See all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right? Locked on. In their how-did-you-hear-about-us box, that way, they know that we sent you. Reliable selection, the lowest prices, it's rockauto.com. All right, Pilsy, just before we get to Brad Shalosman from the Grand Forks Herald, at GF on Twitter, as I mentioned, a must-follow. This guy is as locked into college hockey as anyone. Full tournament preview, Nodak sends recap, and he doesn't even think my Shane Pinto Cole Caulfield take is that insane. So we'll get to all that. But to finish up on game number 35 of this Senator season, how are they going to come out victorious? What's your key to a Sens victory? Well, it's it's a similar key that we always have, Ross, and it's that quick start. And not only the quick start by the Ottawa Senators uh, forwards and defense, but also Gustafson. We, we often say it. You can tell what kind of game he's going to have in the first two to five minutes. Like, Is he looking confident? Is he looking shaky? So I'm going to be watching the first two to five minutes for this Senators team. And I want to make sure they're coming out hot. Hopefully I want to see that fourth line get in there early, like start the game off with some speed and some pace. It's not like the fourth line is, is scrubs that are just going to bang bodies. Like they can get things going. So I want to see them get a good chance. I want to see the Ottawa Senators not let in a bad goal real quick and start with the lead. Because if they play with the lead, I think they can shut these guys down just like they did last game. The Sens have five wins in nine games that they score first on home ice. But for me, it's just that is, is not only playing with the lead, but taking advantage of being at home because man, they're over 500 there now. And that's huge for this Senators team that hasn't been able for whatever reason, matchups, whatever it is to string together wins 
on the road. So you have to take advantage of these games at home, no matter where you're on the standings, you want to be able to show up and, uh, and show off and whether there's fans again or not, it seems like there's so many built in excuses for a young team, but Ottawa, I think they did a great job of showing their resilience in last uh, game against Calgary, not getting, not folding when Johnny Goudreau tied it up with under five minutes left. So keep the momentum rolling. They got the first win for Gus. Now it's time to get another one and string together a few wins here in a row. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, honorable mention to keys to success here is the rest of the team's going to have to pick up the slack physically with Austin Watson gone, right? Like that's, you can fairly count six hits, four block shots out of the lineup now. So I'm going to be looking at Brady Kachuk to bang bodies to be out there playing physical Nick Paul. That's another guy I want to see play a little more physical. And then guys like Zaitsev Zub, you got to be blocking shots at, at a, at a big rate because say what you want. Austin Watson out of the lineup. Maybe people don't put a lot of value into block shots and hits, but it's a big part of the game, especially when you're a young team that's holding on to these tight one goal games. Every block shot counts. Less of that on the back end as well as DJ Smith will not make a change. Therefore, Gabranson, a healthy scratch for a second straight game. One final note before we actually get to Brad, and that's the scoring first and really playing with the lead. Ottawa at home has never lost in regulation when they're leading after the first period. 4-0-1 when leading after the first, 5-0-1 when leading after the second. So play with the lead in today's NHL is crucial. You heard Jason Spezza talk about that on uh, Wally and Mathot show as well. So it's absolutely imperative that they get off on the right foot. And we mentioned it over and over again, a Flames team that is as fragile as they come in this North division. So let's take advantage of that. And once again, a 5 p.m. start time, thanks to national TV rights going to Sportsnet. And this is a TSN regional game. Uh, they've been pumping on TSN also the Raptors all-woman broadcast tonight. So they probably want more eyes on that across all their channels. Just a couple reasons why this game is the time it is. You know, it's funny, though, now that I think about it, because Montreal's game was postponed, there is no national game tonight. So it seems like it might be all for naught. However, the NCAA tournament will go on Friday. The teams are already in their protocol. They're figuring things out. And Brad Sloshman, who is in the NCHC pod, he's been on this show before, he is all over it. So without further ado, here's our chat with Grand Forks Herald writer, Brad Sloshman. All right, we now welcome a very special guest back to the show, Brad Slossman from the Grand Forks Herald. He's a college hockey writer there. A must follow, especially if you're a Nodak Sens fan. He's been all over them all season long. Hey, Brad, last time we spoke to you, you're in a hotel room in Omaha. Mm. I want you to start with that. Like, how has this season been for you covering the team versus years past? Well, it's been uh, very different and strange. I, I think a, it, it was shortened. Usually I'm starting first week in October. Didn't start till the first week in December. So part of me this week is like, oh, my goodness, the NCAA tournament's three days away. Like, holy cow, does that <clears throat> get here quickly? Well, it in part because the season started two months late. So it's going to get here quick, you know, uh, starting the season in Omaha where I got to see every team in the league in person repeatedly. Like I, I've, I've done this for like 16 years. I've, I've covered college hockey and I've never felt like I had a better grasp of all the teams and what they are just because I've seen almost all of their games uh, this year and most of them in person. So that's been unique. And 
Um, obviously, uh, as far as the play, just, you know, you're, you're waiting to see if games are going to get canceled or removed. And there was some of that, but the league uh, set out essentially to play 96 regular season games as a whole between all the teams. And they played 94 of them, which is really impressive. I think they just played the conference tournament in, in Grand Forks, which is also different Usually how the conference tournament works, there's eight teams, there's the quarterfinals, and you do a best of three series at the home site of the higher seed. And then the four winners of those go to the St. Paul and the XL Energy Center where the Minnesota Wild play, and then they have single game semifinals and finals for the league title. This year, they moved it all to Grand Forks, and uh, it was single elimination. So a, a different setup for the postseason you know, a lot of the things are different. We're doing all our Zoom interviews this year, so I'm not talk around the, the team really at all. So uh, definitely a, a unique year. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. Now, how much of an advantage would you say UND has? Uh, they're so lucky that all these games have happened at the Ralph. I mean, when you have a facility like they do, it, it only makes sense, and they're a top team, so it makes sense. But still, UND's record at home is phenomenal. Fans or no fans or some fans, uh, they seem to do really good at home. How much of a difference is, is, is that for them to stay at the Ralph? The last couple of years, it, it's been nearly impossible to beat them at home. Wow. Especially in the black jerseys. I bet a bunch of those wins are black jersey well, wins. Actually, they only wear the blacks on the road. So, they, oh. <laughs> uh, However, there was one game. Uh, this is kind of interesting. So so the black jerseys are, the game, are on the road. Usually when they have a big game, they feel like they really need to win. They'll break out the black jerseys. They have an incredible record in them. So every time the black jerseys come out, you know, the fans are like, oh, they're out tonight. Um, you need to kind of uh, set it up to wear them at home, you know, maybe request permission from the league. Well, uh, three years ago, they went and played Canisius on the road in Buffalo. They play in Atlantic hockey. Canisius wasn't a very strong team at all. And UND lost twice, really bad losses for them that knocked them out of the tournament that year. The next year they played Canisius at home. And to try to set a tone for the season, they broke out the black jerseys at home. And that, that's only been done in the last 20 years, like three times before that. And they ended up scoring like eight goals that night and, and they won. And that kind of set, the, set up the run we're on right now. Uh, I, I kind of, in a way, look at the last two years as one year for this program because they didn't get a chance to finish it last year. The season was canceled the day before the playoffs started. They were the number one seed last year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it kind of rolled into this year. And uh, they're still – they wanted to win it all last year. They didn't get the chance. Now they get to start exactly where they left off. They're the number one seed. So JBD would have been a freshman on, on that team, and now he's a junior. He was injured in the quarterfinals. Is there any update? Should we expect him to play on Friday night when the tournament starts? Yeah, you know, uh, there are three guys who have been missing. Um, Brad Berry said at his press conference that they're going to be very, very, very close to a full lineup, if not a full lineup. Uh, I got the sense that uh, Jacob Bernard Docker was the closest of the three to returning. Parsed through the words the, the coaches were using during the conference tournament. I got the sense that Jacob Bernard Docker uh, was close 
Um, maybe he could have even played in the championship, but they decided, hey, let's not risk it. Uh, th- this is the championship of the conference tournament I'm talking about. And they were saying, let's not risk it in the conference tournament. Uh, so he's hurt for the national tournament. Now, now their goal is the national tournament. Uh, and I, I get the sense that he is one of the guys that will probably be coming back. Now, I think that's really interesting because he's one of their top defenders, if not the, the top defender. How much does that say about uh, Brad Berry's confidence in guys like Jake Sanderson, Tyler Clevin, to be able to hold down the fort in single elimination hockey? Like, what does that say about those guys and Brad Berry's confidence in them? Well, I think a, uh, I think the first thing is, is it, it tells me that they want the national championship. Uh, you know, that, that's the bigger goal. And however, the fact that they still won the conference championship without those guys, that tells me that those guys are pretty good. (laughs) Um, You know, they're stepping into much bigger roles when you can take some key guys out of your lineup and go. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the conference tournament at all. Jake Sanderson is getting scary good. Um, He, he can, you know, it felt like this was the moment where his talent has taken over, where he is now able uh, on any given night to be the best player on the ice. Didn't he have seven shots on goal in the championship game? He had seven shots on goal in the first 21 minutes. (laughs) He had like four shots on goal in one shift in like a 30 second period. It was wild. Yes. He, He can do that. Like he's, you can see the offense coming out. Uh, I, I felt there were times early in the year where he would come on a rush. He would gain the blue line and he would pull up, stop, kind of give it to a forward and let them go. And we were sitting there like, Jake, you realize you could have just skated. That's the top of the crease. If you wanted, like you're just faster and better than these guys. Like, and now I think he's becoming more assertive. I think he's realizing, okay, I can, I can dominate. Uh, the, the first game I really saw it, they were playing in Omaha, of course. Um, and they were down by two goals in the third period. And it was almost like, a, okay, now you need offense. You need to score. It's time to go. And, and maybe in the past games, because UND was leading so many of them that it was just not, don't make a mistake, play defense, shut down and win. And now I think he realized, you know, in that game, um, I can skate around the zone if I want to. I can do certain things. And, and he's really come along the last, you know, month. And the conference tournament, he was outstanding. Wow, that's great to hear, especially from the draft pundits who thought maybe there wasn't a whole lot of offense to his game, that he yeah. would just be steady. It's like, man, he's really starting to explode onto the scene. And I don't think it's the worst thing if he does go back for a sophomore year and, and just be that much more assertive. But there was another man drafted this offseason. He's been a guest on our show as well now, the K-Train, Tyler Clevin. And you warned us, you'd been seeing him since high school, <laughs> that he had a bit of offense to his game. So I was going to say, were you surprised when he toe-drags Western Michigan and goes upstairs yeah. and he put one off the boards and spun around a defender to create another offensive opportunity? What can the growth look like going forward for Tyler Clevin? And, and to go, but first to go back to Sanderson, I, I, I look at him. I, I think there's a good chance he'll come back. Um, and that's the route that Kale McCarr took. Yep. We've been, we've been making those parallels. It's a nice Ross one. Ross has been one. all over that. It, yeah. It, it, I, I think that's, uh, you know, you look at that development path and 
you know, sometimes I feel NHL fans get so impatient. They want the guy now. They want him now. Well, I don't think Avalanche fans are mad anymore. No. I think that year was worth it. Uh, to go to Clevin, yeah, uh, I think we talked before the season, and uh, I, I was uh, watching those uh, summer skates, and I saw those things all the time. And that's where I was like the, the fans and some of the uh, scouts that are saying there's no offense there. That's not what I'm seeing. Like I'm seeing – some really good hands, some really good offensive instincts there. And I think what's got to be really exciting, and I think why the Senators traded up to draft him is because they saw that. Like, you see the hands, you see the toe-dragging ability, you see the heavy shot, and now you add it in with the phys- physical abilities. Like, he, he can really uh, crush a guy with a big hit. He can make a game-changing hit. Um, he's got good size, he can defend. And when you uh, add all that together and you see where he could potentially be four year, five years down the line with that offensive ability, you're talking a guy who may have the talent of a first round pick and you're getting him in the second. And um, I'm really curious to see where that offense goes because as a freshman to do the things he's doing is impressive and his game is going to grow. And so, uh, I, you know, there, there is a chance that in a few years that draft pick, you, you know, you're going to say you got a first rounder in the second. Yeah. And I think, I think Tyler Clevin was a victim of kind of getting typecasted. You know, you see him as a big mean guy throws big hits. So you're like, okay, he's in this category of defenseman of big mean defenseman. So Having said that, that means he can't skate well. That means he can't bring offense. And when we talked to him, he he put a silence to that right away. He said, I'm working on the offense. That's a big part of my practices is Shoots getting better. a thousand better. bucks a day, he said. A thousand bucks a day. Yeah, it's insane the work that he puts in. And this is a guy that just eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey. So I'm glad to yeah. see it turn, uh, turn heads for him, especially I think he's proving a lot of doubters wrong. Now, we talked about this recently. We talked about it with Sanderson returning. How, how much of a career do you think Tyler Clevin will have at UMD? Like, do you think uh, he's a guy that could finish early, or do you see him finishing all four years and then turning pro? I, I think that will have to depend on where his game goes and how quickly it evolves. Um, you know, he, he fits the profile of a three- or a four-year guy. Uh, it just depends on when he's fully ready to, to make that jump. But, yeah, I mean, you're spot on about how much work he puts in. Him and Sanderson, like, even this summer, I was getting texts from people at the rink. Like, these two guys never stop shooting and working. So, uh, they're, they're both, uh, <laughs> extremely hard workers and, uh, yeah, you know, Tyler Clevin right now, he's, he's not on the power play. You look at their defenders, they've got Matt Kirstead, who's probably the most coveted undrafted free agent right now in college hockey. They've got Jacob Bernard Docker, who's a first round pick. They've got Jake Sanderson, who's a first round pick. Those are their three D men on the power play tough to crack. Um, is he going to be a power play guy? Absolutely. He is. He's got just that rocket of a shot. Uh, you, like you've seen the toe drags and the offensive skills he has, he's going to be there and, uh, you're going to see a lot more points on his point total 
when he gets there. But um, yeah, I mean, there is offense there. And I think you guys are now seeing some of the things I saw this summer where I'm, I was like, I don't know what these people are talking about when they say he has no skill and no offense. Like I see it every single day. And now I think some fans are seeing it too. Man, that's music to Sens fans' ears for sure. And and just the fact in to watch this team all season, they just seem like they're such a well-oiled machine, offense, defense, and, and they're coached tremendously by Brad Berry. I will ask you about Shane Pinto, but I want to get into the tournament itself. Now, the North Dakota Fighting Hawks, I guess I'll finally call them that. I've been saying it fighting Senators all year. But they're the number one seed for the first time since 2004 when a man by the name of Brandon Bachensky, well-known around Ottawa <laughs> as well, was a member of that team. How did they get into a position where they're, they're going to have to play a good team in the second round? Do you think that the draw was unfair in their, against their favor? Hope you're enjoying our chat with Brad. We'll get right back to that after we tell you about our friends at Bet Online. Now, you have this week to recoup after a wild first weekend in March Madness and well, the gambling only gets a little bit easier because you only have half the games to figure out. Nah, I need that more than anybody. I've been having some serious trouble with my March Madness. But what I do love is how easy it is to place wagers at Bet Online. So you can too. And because you're a listener of the Locked On Senators podcast, you're entitled to a 50% welcome bonus. How do you get that on your first deposit? You go to betonline.ag, the one place that has you covered, the one place we trust. And you sign up today for a free account. But when you make your first deposit, you'll see it, a big section titled promo code. And that's where you put in this, locked on, all caps, locked on for a 50% welcome bonus with that first deposit. You put in $100, that's 50 free play dollars right there in your account. Bingo, bango, bongo. Put in 200, that's 100 right there in your wallet. But as I mentioned, it's free play. That means you have to wager it and win it to earn it. And Pilsy, that's where you come in with your parlay of the day. Parlay of the day last time didn't quite work out. Florida let me down. They lost by one goal. Of course, Tampa won their game, but another close one. So I'm I'm still on course here. Just a little off on that one. So I'm back on the scent. We're going to try something a little different this time. Haven't done this yet. It's going to be a cross-league parlay, Ross. And we're going to get your Ottawa Senators involved in the parlay here. So let's start off. I think the Sens, they played really well against Calgary last game. I don't see why they can't sneak another win. So let's hit that Sens money line at plus 151. This is a fragile Flames team. I think they can upset the Flames again. So plus 151 Sens money line. Then, of course, every single parlay should include a bet against the Buffalo Sabres. I mean, they're going on 14 straight losses. They're up against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So Pittsburgh Penguins money line at minus 268. You got to have it. And now... Let's head over minus to the 268. Yeah, minus 268. <laughs> well, like, why not throw it in there, right? Like, obviously, Buffalo is going to lose. Oh, 12 and two in their last 14. Just a gong show. Yeah, I wasn't even going to include them, but then I saw Buffalo playing and I was like, well, that's a free spot on the bingo card. Got to include that. Now, let's head over to the AHL Belleville versus the Toronto Marlies. I, I wish I could say I was confident in Belleville winning this game, but I'm not quite so sure, especially with no Abramov, no Formanton, no Ole Alsing, no Yopaka. There's a lot of big guys out of this lineup. So I'm going to hit the over on this. Belleville and Toronto, they always seem to score a lot of goals. 
the over set at five and a half. That's pretty low in my opinion at minus. That's like one. what Batherson averaged against the Marlies. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. The, the, we could see one team get five and a half goals. <laughs> well, six goals in that case. So I'm hitting that over at minus 147. So that's a three-team parlay, cross-league parlay. We're making it interesting. So just to conclude, Ottawa Senators money line. Pittsburgh Penguins money line and the over of Belleville Centers versus Toronto Marlies put 10 bucks in and you'll get a nice 4791 oh. in return. Hello, green money. Let's go place that bet for Pillsy's parlay of the day. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get into the action and don't forget the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's bet online, your online sports book experts. And when you're done a long day of gambling, you're tired. And especially on a weekend like last with the March Madness, left, right, and center. Power up with a Built Bar because Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar and comes in so many amazing flavors as well. We got our packages in the mail two days ago and the cookies and cream Built Bar got me fired up. I'm telling you, 100% covered in real chocolate. That is one of eight flavors that is no nuts, nut free. There's also eight chocolate nut flavors that you can enjoy as a Built Bar. And you don't have to feel bad when you're eating it because although they taste like a candy bar, they have a nutritional grand slam of low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. People were asking for Pillsy to just eat and taste test Built Bars on air. Can't do that, but we can throw it over to Pillsy's pick of the week. Why can't we do that, Ross? I got like I got like 10 built bars here. I could use a protein boost. It's great for maintaining or losing weight for the health conscious guy or girl. That sounds good to me. And they're delicious. I mean, there's so many flavors to choose from. Unfortunately, maybe that's a bonus episode of just 20 minutes of me eating built bars. I am a slow eater, so maybe I would only get through one or two in that time frame. But there's another new flavor we got to get on here. And hopefully you guys are following along at Built Bar's uh, flavor bracket. We're now in the enticing eight, and there is some serious competition here. Today's vote was between coconut and coconut almond and cookies and cream. Cookies and cream is one of the goat flavors. That's a favorite. You know, that's like, that's an all-time classic, prestigious school getting through the enticing eight here. So I voted them through, but the flavor I want to talk to you about, you got to try birthday cake. It was my birthday a little while ago. Maybe that's why built bar made this flavor and Sick it is rag. so good. A uh, white chocolate birthday cake. One of my favorites. You're going to love it too. So try that for Pillsy's pick of the day. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com. Use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. All right, now back to our chat with Grand Forks Herald writer, Brad Slossman. You know, it's uh, you get to the national tournament, and uh, you know it's one and done, and, and I think a lot of teams look at their draw and they say, man, this is, this is a little unfair. I remember in 2016, UND was the number two overall seed, I believe. And uh, they had to play, first of all, Northeastern in the very first round. And Northeastern was like 21-2 and in their last 23 games. And it was like, really? And and then in the second round, they had to play a a Michigan team that had Kyle Connor, uh, Tyler Mott, and um, uh, JT Comfer as their top line. They had Zach Wierenski on the back end. 
like that was a super loaded Michigan team. Uh, you know, UND ended up getting through them and uh, winning the title that year. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that was about as difficult as a regional as you could ask for. So uh, yes, it, it, it's going to be a tough regional, but you know, I guess if you're going to win the national championship, you got to go through teams eventually and uh, we'll see how it plays out. Well, speaking of matchups, let's head to their next matchup on March 26th, this Friday. I've never heard of American International College. I thought that was a typo yeah. or or prestigious the in- name though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I thought the intern maybe <laughs> uh, didn't type in the right name there. What can you tell us about this American <laughs> International team? Who it looks like their mascot is a bee. I'm not sure. Yellow jackets. So yellow jackets. Uh, All right. So a lot of people hadn't heard of American International uh, until 2019. Uh, this was a team that was uh, the doormat of uh, their league. Uh, they finished last place like every year. And uh, they had a coach who was there for like 30 some years. He was their coach when they were a D3 program. He retired. They hired a former player to be their coach. And like uh, 20, 2017, 18, they, they almost were 500. Would, and they won like a, a one of their series in their playoffs. And that was like a, whoa, like this team is usually at the bottom. Like what's happening here? They've got this young team, they're 500. And then the following year, they won their league. They've won their league three years in a row. But what happened in 2019, they were the 16th seed, the last team in the tournament. They played a St. Cloud State team that was the number one overall seed in Fargo where UND's playing them. And they took him out in the first round. It was a wow. set. Nobody saw that coming. Uh, the St. Cloud State team was loaded. I think they lost two league games the whole year. And American International came in there and beat them. So, so a lot of college hockey fans until 2019 had never heard of them either. Uh, since 2019, they all know who AIC is because, because of that upset. And now they've won that league three years in a row. They've won the last two playoff titles. They didn't get to play last year in their playoff league tournament. So um, they've, they've kind of become that team you just expect to win their league and be in the tournament. So it's crazy how quickly perception has shifted of AIC. Yeah, you got to be aware for, for the uh, upset, especially. They, I'm, I'm sure they have a few returning guys still from, that were young yeah. that, that year. I think this, uh, almost half that lineup is uh, still – on their team. Uh, They still have that scent of, uh, you know how they say yellow jackets, they can grab onto a scent as you're saying their mascot. But so you're saying it's not going to be a cakewalk in the first round necessarily. Yeah. You know, you just, uh, I, I would expect uh, it not to be a cakewalk. Um, You never know how a game's going to turn out. Uh, This team has a history of (laughs) uh, obviously pulling an upset. Um, You know, their goaltender, uh, Stefano Durante, he was with Coburg, uh, Ontario when they won the RBC cup in 2017. Uh, he stole that championship game. I think he made 41 of 43 saves against, uh, a Brooks bandits team that had Kale McCarr. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he's done that before on a big stage. Uh, and I don't think he'll be, uh, rattled by a big stage uh, again this weekend. 
Nice. That's, it's going to be exciting hockey. Really looking forward to watching it. Brad, we're going to be following you at Slossman GF on Twitter. I have my final question is out of the other Sens prospects. So we've got Luke Lowheight with Minnesota Duluth and Johnny Gin and Tyconic, as we're calling him out with Omaha. Who of those two teams, they're both, I'm assuming, uh, maybe not Minnesota Duluth, but which one of those teams between Minnesota Duluth and Omaha do you think has a chance to get further in, uh, in the tournament? Well, Minnesota Duluth has had a ton of success recently in the tournament. They, they've won a lot of really close games, uh, a lot of low-scoring games, uh, you know. So uh, I, I think you give the edge to them just because they've been there and done it. Uh, they have a lot of guys on their team who were on that 2019 national championship team. Omaha Omaha's really up and down to me. They can be really good for stretches and they can be very porous defensively for stretches. I feel like that kind of exemplifies what Johnny Tyconic's game is. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he has flashes where you see it and then, you know, he, he sometimes has lapses defensively and he's got to eliminate those before he goes to pro hockey. He's got to be a little bit more consistent uh, defensively in his own end. Yeah. Now, last question for me, and to save the best for last, I would say probably the most impressive no-dak senator has got to be Shane, Shane Pinto. And I'm on the Hobie Baker vote page right now, and he has a <laughs> commanding lead. I just casted a vote. You go do that if you're listening right now as well, Sens fans. But 41.4% of the vote for Shane Pinto. Now, we know that's not the be-all, end-all. Uh, the fans don't get to decide the Hobie Baker. I'm sure that's news to a lot of Sens fans that they'll be disappointed, but how <laughs> good of a chance do you actually think Shane Pinto has at winning this year's Hobie Baker award? I'd say he has slightly less than 1% of a chance. Oh. <laughs> it, it is going to be Cole. Caulfield. Oh, yes. We, uh, we've Cole. been hard on Cole Caulfield, probably unfairly. <laughs> and it's because he's a Habs prospect, right? You have the Montreal-Ottawa rivalry. Yeah. So I tweeted out the other day saying that Shane Pinto will have a better NHL career, which I, I think I stand by based on and, size, position, that sort of thing. But it, it got people fired up. There is a Cole Caulfield hive on Twitter, to say the least. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I he, he's Cole Caulfield's going to win the Hobie. Uh, who has a better pro career? That's... Uh, another debate to have, you know, Pinto is a, a, you know, a prototypical pro player. Um, He's a 200 foot guy. Uh, He, you know, he was the first player in the NCHC ever to win both the forward of the year award and the defensive forward of the year award. You know, he, he gets a lot of D zone starts because he's so good in the face off circle and so reliable defensively that, he does a lot of things a, a pro coach is really going to like. So uh, I think uh, whenever he turns pro and lands a spot in Ottawa, I think the the coach there is going to you know, like what he brings to the table, uh, both offensively and defensively. Well, there's certainly a hole in the center ice at the NHL level and, and one that fans hope Shane Pinto can step right into. But first up for him is this Friday a regional matchup in the round of 16. And then they inch closer and closer to that frozen four. Like I said, Brad, we're going to be following your work with the grand folks, Harold the whole way and on Twitter. And Hey, if Nodak makes it to that final four, we'd love to have you back on to tee that up for us as well. For sure. Absolutely. Thanks guys. Stick taps to Brad for joining us today. What a treat to chat with him. We'll do it again. Hopefully 
when we're talking about UND making a push to the final four, or should I say frozen four? I've got March Madness on the brain, but this is going to be a hell of a fun tournament to watch, Pilsy. Are you going to be fired up for Friday night? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. And uh, look, the what are they even called? American International? I forget yeah, again. Prestigious. The Yellow Jackets. Um, I, I thought there was kind of a joke. And uh, when I asked him the question about it, I, I was more like tongue in cheek asking. But then he started telling us about how they upset a 16 seed a little while ago. And no, they were the 16 seed. They yes, took yeah, yeah, yeah. They upset a first seed as a 16 seed, is what I meant. Yeah. And St. Cloud uh, State, the team who uh, Nodak beat in the championship for the NCHC. Yeah, so that makes me a little bit nervous that these yellow jackets aren't messing around, but I'm still confident in UND, so I'm excited for that, especially anytime you get to see the Nodak Sens play. It's so awesome. No doubt about that, Pilsy, or should I say Nodak? Still going to be heavy favorites against American International, and then things will get very interesting on Saturday in the Elite Eight. We're, we're going to have a show Saturday morning, of course, our Sens Central Citizen, and tee up that game, hopefully off the heels of a Nodak win. So if they do win and if Minnesota Duluth wins, that's a crash course where you're going to see five cents prospects in action on the other side of the bracket, Johnny Tyconic as well. But once they get to the NHL, you're expected to be in the best league in the world, the best refs in the world, but hot mic alert, Tim Peel is uh, in hot water. And uh, I, I hesitate to call it a strong punishment because he had already announced this is referee. Tim Peel was caught on a hot mic saying that, there wasn't much of a penalty there, but I wanted to get one, an even up call as we know goes on in hockey. But when you get caught in the hot mic, it is a tough look. However, Tim Peel had already announced his retirement after this season. So how strong of a punishment is this? And will it deter refs from, you know, going outside the black and white rule book? Yeah, well, I mean, they're wearing black and white, so really they should understand the black and white of the rule book. But I, I think this is more setting an example by the league because, yeah, like you said, the guy was going to retire anyways. It's more that we can't have this. Like, what a stain on the league. Like, that's almost like, I don't want to say insider trading with gambling and stuff like that, but, like, you're throwing the game. Like, that's you're, – you're ruining the, the process and the integrity of the game. And, yeah, like you said, we know it happens. Like – when your team gets a terrible call against them, you're kind of expecting like, yeah, the refs are going to give us a call back, but you can't make that obvious. And, and you can't, I don't know, you, you got to keep that internal. And I think once, once that gets out publicly, that's such a bad look for the NHL that they had to act swiftly. I, I'm surprised that people are surprised by this. Like, of course you fire that guy once, once that gets out, and especially with the attention it got. So I think that's the right move by the NHL and uh, see you later, Tim Peel. As far as I'm concerned, he could have been fired years ago. I always remember when, when there's a poorly ref game you look after, and it was Tim Peel, none other, against the Ottawa Senators. So happy trails, Peeler. And, uh, well, he wouldn't be refing this week anyways if he had the Montreal Canadiens games on his schedule because uh, if it seemed inevitable it was going to happen. COVID has caused postponements in all three other divisions, and uh, it's penetrated the North Division now with the Montreal Canadiens. Both Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Joel Armia are in the COVID protocol, and their next three games are postponed, including next week against Ottawa. It's almost thankful it's only three games, right? Because that's the first of four straight that Ottawa and Montreal were scheduled to go head-to-head. -head. And 
obviously we're wishing for the best for all the players and, and the health. Yeah, really, really, it's unfortunate that this has happened. But I mean, you got to tip your hat to the NHL, uh, especially the North Division, that they've gone so far without any postponements or cancellations. Like that's pretty impressive on its own, especially with teams traveling and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully everything gets solved here. But from a selfish point, obviously safety first, and we hope they recover and no one else gets COVID. But Man, that's another long stretch between Sens games. Like, they play the Leafs on Thursday. They were supposed to play the Habs Sunday. Now they're not going to play them till Tuesday. So it's going to be another four-day stretch without Ottawa Senators hockey. Luckily, Belleville's playing a bunch in that time. But, uh, yeah, hopefully the COVID issues are all solved because Ottawa plays three more games against Montreal right after that. So we wouldn't want to see many more postponements. Yeah, no doubt. So like, like you said, echo the sentiments, everyone we're cheering for good health because you can't kick the Habs ass if they're not able to play. So looking forward to those games next week, Ottawa, of course, in action first and foremost tonight at 5 PM. I keep going back to it because it's so strange. And then Thursday tomorrow against the hated Toronto Maple Leaf. So we're going to tee up that game on tomorrow's show recap tonight's, but before we go, we've got a, Hot take alert, or should I say proper take in my opinion, but it's taken you a long time to get there. I'm just going to ask you, frankly, Pilsy, who should be the next captain of these Ottawa Senators? Well, I, I don't usually do this. I feel like usually I, I make a stake and a claim and stick to it, but it's got to be Brady Kachuk. And but we are happy to announce that we are now a team Brady Kachuk for the Ottawa Senators captain podcast because, and look, this is this all kind of came to me. The biggest thing I noticed was when we had that chat with Haley Salvian and she was saying that there seemed to be a divide between Matthew Kachuk and the other more calmer leadership group. I mean, I, I feel like we can say it pretty confidently. It was between Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau. And there was a divide between Goudreau and Monaghan and Kachuk. And they were saying, you got to calm down. We can't make every game a battle. There's too much emotions. It can't be all about you, et cetera, et cetera. And Matthew's just sitting there like, this is my game. This is how I play. Like, I'm not doing this to be selfish. Like, this is, this is the way I operate. And that got me thinking, if there's ever a scenario where we're deciding, do we want to go with Brady's rambunctious style and uh, his way of playing hockey or a more calm focused style where you know you're not as as loud and energetic and you have to go with Brady every time this that's the culture of this team and, and I'm not saying I don't I dislike Shabbat or anything like that that's not where it changed where it changed for me is if there's ever a decision that needs to be made how are we going to play how is this team going to move forward I want that decision to be coming straight through Brady because he's the culture of this team so he says all the right things in the media I think He's, he's going to be a guy that can lift this team and he wants success. He's been playing in a rebuilding scenario his entire NHL career. So officially, I have changed my opinion to Team Brady for captain of the Ottawa Senators. The list of accolades off the ice in terms of the legacy that he comes from, a family where his dad was a captain in the NHL at 21 years old as well. And Matthew has, has been a leader early in his career. Although I love the way Brady plays a lot more than Matthew. I'll go on record as saying that. And if you're looking at a player who leads the NHL in penalties drawn, which is a huge, you're putting your team at a power play situation over and over again. He leads the NHL in expected goals, whatever that means. He leads the NHL in hits and shots on goal. So this is a guy who isn't only making waves in Ottawa, 
but through the entire National Hockey League, he will bring a level of respect that, yes, people know Shabbat is very good. How can you not? He's led the NHL in ice time last season, so he's out there often. But there's just something where I think you're getting more I – don't, I don't like saying this because I think Shabbat does have respect, but I think that you're going to turn more heads around the National Hockey League saying that Brady Kachuk is the captain of the Ottawa Senators. So I think it's a no-brainer that it gets handed to him with a, a new eight-year contract this summer. Yeah, when he signs an eight-year deal, I want Dorian to bring out a jersey with a C on it. Let's make sure it's the same player that's getting signed as the the captaincy. You'll remember the last captain Ottawa named. They gave Bobby Ryan a $55 million contract the day at the same press conference. They gave Carlson the captaincy. That was all-time weird. Yeah, that was a super, super weird move, especially the irony now. Bobby Ryan bought out, Carlson traded. So let's not do that again. No, let's stay away from that. But you know what? Let's have a hockey game to recap tomorrow's show. It's been a while since the Sens have been in action. Remember, they had a defensively sound effort their last meeting against Calgary, only their second time this year, winning a game where they score less than three goals. Can they roll that momentum into tonight? Find out. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Brad Schlossman. And get fired up, man. The NCAA tournament is only two days away. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.